Jesus, we thank you that we know that to be true. You make the weak strong. You lift the lowly. You lift the downtrodden. You relight the smoking wick that's been blown out. A bruised reed you do not break. Lord, we thank you for that. People handle our lives in all kinds of different ways. But you hold us so caringly, so compassionately. And we worship you. We thank you. Because when others have left us, you have never, ever abandoned us. Can you say amen to that this morning? Woohoo! Let's give him a shout. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Well, we are in the closing moments this morning of the service. Maybe 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to speak to you, just maybe wrap things up, bring things to a close this morning. But over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Psalm 23. And, you know, it's been amazing to look at that psalm. David looked back on his life, over 60 years of life. And at the end of his life, as he looked back, he wrote this psalm, this incredible psalm that's famous the world over. And as he looked back down the corridor of time into his past, he makes this incredible opening statement by saying this, The Lord is my shepherd. He looked back down the corridor of time. He looked into the darkness of his past. He saw all of the trouble that had gone on, all of the crises that had come as a, re- as a result of just having a head-on collision with life. And yet at the end of his life, as he looked back, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. Isn't it amazing how God can come into the hardest times of our lives, the most difficult points of our lives, where we think everything is over, when people around us have told us, you're finished, you're no good, you'll never rise from your knees again, you'll never be anything. And God comes into those darkest moments of our lives. As Lord, as Lord, as shepherd. And he lifts us from the lowest moments of our lives. And he takes us on and he leads us through. David wasn't just writing a poem here. He wasn't just trying to fill up some pages in the Bible. David was talking about a real life experience. David was was looking back over the checkered past of his life. This kid grew up in a family where he was rejected. He was the eighth son in the family. And Jesse, his father, 
treated every other son as important. But David was the runt of the family. He was chucked out in the field to look after the sheep. You know, being a shepherd was the most despised vocation in that time. Who's going to do that job that nobody else wants to do? Chuck David out there. Why? Because David was the runt of the family. Many of us here this morning know what that's like. We've been under the heel of life. You know, we've, we, we heard Eleanor talk about how she'd been abused by life. That statement that she made, she said, I thought I would go to the grave hating people. What happens when, when, when life collides with your life and it hits you hard? You've got all the dreams and all the plans like any other person. And yet life comes and it smashes you across the head like it did for Eleanor. And you've got nothing to look forward to other than a picture of complete pain. A picture of complete disaster. No future. She thought she was going to live with that hate and that pain for the rest of her life. And yet the shepherd stepped into the picture. That's the difference, friends. His name, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. There is one name under heaven, the Bible says, whereby men can be saved. That name is the wonderful name of Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the bright morning star. He is the shepherd that David talked about. And we are here this morning to give him praise and give him honor. Because I tell you something, there is nobody in this world that will lay their life down for you like Jesus. He bled and died for you and I. I had nothing to bring to the table. I had a pile of mess to bring to the table. And I wasn't even 15 years of age when I brought it and lay it at his feet. And you know what? He took that pile of mess and he's still working on it. He's still working on it. Still having to forgive it. Still having to heal it. Still having to make it whole. Still having to encourage it and get it out of bed on the morning. But I tell you something now. Jesus loves us. He loves us with a passion. (laughs) He loves us. I tell you what, my God, he's wonderful. He loves me. That's what I can't get over. Woohoo! At least the kids agree with it. Woohoo! He's awesome. David looks back. He didn't say, The law is my shepherd. The law can't shepherd you, the law will kill you, the law will remind you of your sin. The Ten Commandments, we broke them all when we were conceived in our mother's womb. We were born in iniquity, in sin. He didn't say the law is my shepherd. He said the Lord, Jehovah, my, my provider, the one that comes close when I've sinned. He said on another occasion, he said, oh God. If you marked my transgressions, if you, if you marked down all of the terrible sins that I've done, I'd never be able to stand before you. But then he said this, but there's forgiveness with you. Oh, there's nobody like the shepherd. He forgives us of our sins. 
He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's awesome. There's nobody like him. David looks back. Grew up in a family where he was the runt of the family. Everybody was chosen before him. And a guy turns up, an important guy one day in in Jesse's house. And he's there to choose the next king of Israel. His name was Samuel. He was on important business. Everybody knew who Samuel was. He was like, he, he had like a stately job in the nation. And he turns up at this house that nobody's gaze was on, but God's gaze was on it. And Jesse brings out all of his boys, all of the boys that were important. David's out in the field. But little did they know he'd already killed a bear and a lion. God was moving with this kid. God had this, God his, had his hand on the kid. He had his hand on him right there. I tell you now, the young people, children, God's got his eyes on them for great things. See Isaac being baptized here this morning. God's going to do great things with that boy's life. He's not going to put him in a box or put a straitjacket on him. Who knows what's going to happen with his life? He's not going to become religious. He's going to fly and soar into everything that God's got planned for him. And every other young person and child in this place. And David gets anointed suddenly. God rejected all of the seven important boys and he took the piece of rubbish that was out in the field and he brought him in and suddenly David's into another season of his life and he's a king and he doesn't even know how to carry the responsibility. But a month later, he slays Goliath and then he's, he's, he's chased out of his own country for doing something good, not bad, by an angry, jealous king called Saul. Hated him. David knew what life was like He knew how life could break you. He knew how life could put you in a pit. He he, he wrote about the pit that he was in. He knew how how you could start in a palace and end in a cave within weeks. He knew the highs and the lows of emotion. He knew success. He knew terrible failure. And that's why we all relate to him. That's why this psalm, Psalm 23, is probably one of the greatest pieces of writing in the whole world. We sing songs about it. We read about it in funerals. We read about it and contemplate over it in our quiet times. Because there's something in this psalm for all of us. And David knew by experience about the hardships Eight years in exile, chased out of his own land, on the run as a fugitive, running and feigning madness in in a foreign land with the Philistines, the ones that he'd fought against. He knew about the complexities of life and how life tries to come and break you and smash you. We can take great courage from that. We can take great hope from that. Because when things are going difficult for you and I, That's when the shepherd steps up from the mark. 
steps up to the mark. He doesn't desert you. He doesn't leave you on your own. No way. He loves you. He's never going to let you go. I can remember the Holy Spirit saying to me once, he said, Dave, I said, I said to him, I was just having this little conversation with him. I said, Lord, I love following you. Do you know what he said to me? He said, he said, well, he said, that's fantastic. He said, but if you, if you ever stop following me, I'll start following you. You can't get rid of him, friends. He loves you. He's married to you. Read in Luke 15 when, the little, when that little wandering sheep went off and wandered away. The shepherd left the 99 in care in the wilderness and he went after the one. When the, when the little sheep stopped following the shepherd, what did the shepherd do? It's Bible. Jesus taught about it. He said the shepherd followed that little sheep till he caught him. And it says he didn't whack him across the head and try to reprimand him for his wandering way. He put him on his shoulders. He carried his weight. And then when he got home, he had a celebration dinner. He invited all of the guests and all of the neighbors, not to embarrass the sheep, not to, not to rub the sheep's nose in the wrongdoing that he'd done. No, that which was lost, he said, is found. The shepherd is amazing. What is it? What is it that drives him? It's love. It's this love. A very different kind of love to the love that we know. It's not an MTV kind of love. It's not a, a, a hot and cold love. It's a love that pursues us. It's a love that will never let us go. It's a love that will hear every single cry. Every single cry of your soul. Every heartache. Every whisper. He loves us deeply and intimately. He said, oh man. He looked back 60 years. And he said, over those times he made me lie down in green pastures. You can't lie down in a field of laws, in a field of rules. There's no life in that. God chooses the best place for you to lie down. And he rested. There's rest all over this psalm. And then he said, he said these words. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me. Do you know what? The greatest thing. In life is to be led by the shepherd. Where you don't have to make any decisions anymore. Now I'm not talking about the basic decisions of life. The crucial ones. The ones that you're afraid about making. It's in those moments that the shepherd steps into that decision making process. And he says, I'll lead you. You see, he will lead you to the destination that you need to get to. Those still waters. And, I, and, you know, that phrase, still waters, it's all talking about relationships. Relationships. Every single one of us have felt the pain 
of broken relationships. Every one of us here, in varying degrees, have gone through strife and conflict and hardship. Oh, there's been great times, I'm sure, where we've had brilliant relationships, where everything is happening. And when, you know, you're living on cloud nine. Everybody loves you. You love everybody. Fantastic. And if you're there today, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But there are times and occasions in all of our lives, and if you look through David's life, you'll see it, where his life was far, far away from still water experience, from rested relationships. He didn't know who to trust. He didn't know who his friends were. His life on occasions were like a raging water, a raging torrent. There was no rest in his life, strife everywhere, conflict. And yet, as he looked back, he said, you led me to still waters, still water relationships, still water friendships, still water marriage. What is the still water that you need today? Is it a good friend that you can trust again? Is it a church, a home where you can lay your life down? Do you know, a number of years ago, a good few years ago now, I spoke to a person and um, they went through a really, really difficult time in their lives. They loved Jesus with all of their heart. They were, they were part of a church. In fact, they were leading a church. And um, their path was straight. Their course was set. Everything going well. And then suddenly, the path changed. The road turned. And everything came crumbling down around them. And just completely out of the blue, everything started to fall down around them. And the sunshine went in, the clouds covered the sky, the rain and the thunder started to beat down on their life. And suddenly, they didn't know where they were going or what they were doing. Unfortunately, they had to leave the church that they had been a part of for many years. And I remember my friend saying this to me. He said, Dave, he said, I was broken, bruised, wounded, completely flawed by life. And he said, I decided to go to church. And he said, it was really weird because on this particular Sunday, I was going into a church not knowing anybody. I was used to going into church knowing everybody. But for the first time in my life, he said, I was going into church not knowing anybody. I was wounded. I was broken. And now I needed the church to help me. So he walks in and he said, I had one, one and only one desire that day in my heart. I just wanted to sit down in church 
And just for one person to ask me this question, how are you doing? How are you? Can I help you? He said, I went in, Dave. That was my only expectation. I sat down in the seat. Service begins. Nobody spoke to me. Nobody reached out to me. Nobody even welcomed me as I came through the door. Meeting started. Meeting finished. He said, and I was broken. I went out of the church. He said, I decided to go to a a different church. The week after, same simple desire within. Just one person, that's all. Just one person to welcome me home. Just one person to take care of my needs. Went in, he said, the meeting started, the meeting ended. Same result. What was happening in that person's life? They were just looking for a green pasture to lie down in. They were just seeking out still waters. And yet, in the very place that should have embraced them, in the very place that should have welcomed them home, They were rejected and they weren't received. I pray to God, I pray to God that we would never, we would never, ever become like that. This is a home. This is a home. And anybody is welcome here and everybody. Still waters. Still waters. The Lord, our shepherd, leads us to still waters in our relationships, with our colleagues, with our friends, with our associates. If you think about one occasion in Jesus' life, and I'll close with this John chapter 8, he's in the temple. Just talking to people, loads of people around him. And suddenly, they load of these guys drag a woman in. She'd been caught in adultery in the very act. So it's a pretty raw moment. They drag her in, they throw her at Jesus' feet, trying to trap Jesus. They say to him, Listen, the Lord of Moses says she's condemned. She's got to be stoned. They've got rocks in hand. They're ready to do the deed. But what do you say, Jesus? What do you say? What would you do in this situation? Now this is a crucial moment for Jesus. A crucial moment for everybody. Is the law going to be the shepherd in this situation? Or is the Lord of the law going to be the shepherd in the situation. He stands forward and brilliantly, in a way that only God can do, says, he who hasn't sinned, go ahead. Cast the first stone. And the Bible says, from the youngest to the oldest, 
they all left. The woman's on the floor. Jesus is writing some stuff in the dust. Then he gets up and he says this. He says to the woman, he says, where are those who've condemned you? Where are they? Where are your accusers? And she says to him, she says, Lord, they're gone. And he says, neither do I accuse you. And then he takes her from the raging torrents of life. And in one word, he sets her free. He says, go and sin no more. He didn't say, no, go and sin no more. Just says, go and sin no more. I believe with a big smile on his face. What was he doing? The shepherd, the shepherd went into her valley of death. The only one that would stand with her. The only one that would take her by the hand and defend her. He went into her valley of death and he led her to still waters. He led her away from the raging waters of life and he led her beside still waters. Now for every one of us here this morning, your shepherd, your shepherd, he's your shepherd, my shepherd, your shepherd, he's going to lead you beside still waters. Great relationships, great marriages. You say, but it's impossible. Yeah, with us it is impossible. It is impossible. But with God, it's not impossible. And it will be done. A place in life of still waters where you're completely, completely rested. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Let's close our eyes just for a moment. Do you know what? Maybe you're here today and you've read Psalm 23. You know the psalm, but you don't know the shepherd. Do you know what? I'd count it an honor to pray with you. I'd count it such an honor. I don't want you to say it out loud. But I count it such a privilege to pray a prayer with you. Just asking the shepherd to come into your life, to come into your heart, to give you the peace that you need, to give you the the happiness and the hope for him to pick up all the pieces. I'd count it an honor. We're going to pray right now together. Quietly, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, into your life. I did it. Like Fred did it. He was in a field by a fire. I was in a field in a tent. Jesus will meet you anywhere. Because he loves you. 
And you can pray right now. You say, I don't know how to pray. It's easy. It's a four-letter word. Help. Help. Help me. Pray this with me. Jesus, quietly in your heart, please would you forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you're alive. Save me. Forgive me.